Hello and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book Stones of Fire by Isabel Kuhn with permission of OMF International. And we are on Chapter 5, Part B. About this time, another matter brought joy and happiness. Martha had also received a like letter, and old father Jehu had, after stuttering all over the village about losing two good-looking daughters to Christian husbands who would not pay him any dowry, at last consented. Manasseh, the prospective groom, was well off. He and his family were among the highest taxpayers in the village, and as he had been a Christian since he was small, he was a clean lad, grown strong and tall. The wedding took place that autumn, and Mary and Martha were knit together in new bond which only grew stronger as the years passed. Manasseh was Lucing's first cousin, so the relationship was pleasant. Running into Martha's new little house, which was close by Lucing, was a new experience, and the days passed quickly and happily until Lucing should return. But the sunshine of life was doomed to have many a clouds those days. Into the village of the Olives came a new problem in the person of a Chinese man named Tisao. He announced that he had been sent by the government to open a school and teach Chinese to the Lesu. The Christians did not pay him much attention because the Lesu church had opened its own school over at Oak Flat. But he was very active and went everywhere in the village urging the need of knowledge of Chinese and trying to get students. With Chinese soldiers in their homes to whom they could not talk, the benefit of knowledge of Chinese was felt. And Tisao exhortations were certainly timely. Into this situation walked Lucing on his return. How glad he was to get home to Mary. That morning he had risen at dawn so as to be able to start out at the first streaks of daylight, and he arrived by noon. One of the first things that met Lucing was his village talk of Tisau. He had noticed that no Christian came to study under him, and he had deliberately set himself to win them. He invited them to meals with him, and he held the opportunities of government service to the Lesu who could read and write Chinese. He could get them free education in Tali City, he urged, and if they would just come first and learn the elements under him. Now, ever since he had become a Christian, Lucing had thirsted for more education. Mapa and Mama knew this, but they also noticed that the knowledge of Chinese was often a hindrance to the Lacey Christian. The feudal lords immediately lay hold of such, pressed them into their personal service, perhaps to keep their trade accounts, writing letters for law cases, and so on and that Lacey were lost to the Lord's work. Moreover, those large feudal castles were hotbeds of sin. It was a rare Christian who could live in that atmosphere without harm. Mama had suggested that Lucing learn English as an approach for further education, but he had not made good progress. He did not know the discipline of study and would not bother to try to understand the grammatical constructions of which the Lacey language had very few, and thought he should be able to get along with just memorizing nouns and verbs. He had become discouraged over English and was just ripe for T. Sow's invitation. The only time the matter could be discussed was late at night after the soldiers had had their leisurely smoke and retired. So it was on one of those nights that Lucing, poking the hot ashes out from under the flaming flames and popping corn in them, started on the conversation that was closest to his heart. Lucing Ma and Lucing Pa were in bed. Little John slept on the floor under Lucing Pa and possibly Mary had retired to the top of the wooden granary in the end room. I've about made up my mind to stop preaching for a while and study Chinese, began Lucing casually. Mary, from her dark corner, pulled the blanket off her face and listened. I cannot get anywhere until I know something more than Lesu. 
English has the most educational books, but now I see that I'm not getting enough to, to be able to read them. If I had more Chinese, he spoke a bit of trade Chinese already, I would have the whole Bible. I can only have the Lacey New Testament now. Who knows when the missionaries will get the rest translated? And if I knew Chinese, I would not be afraid to go to more distant places to preach. As it is now, with this war on and soldiers on the road, cross-questioning you every few miles, I dare not go afield. I've been thinking back and forth, and I'm about to decide to drop everything and just concentrate on Chinese. His mother was alert and listening now, too. Well, then you could do the right thing here in the village, she said, delighted in this prospect of keeping her beloved son close at hand. Mr. Taysau would be glad to teach you. Yes, answered Lu Sing, a bit impatiently, for he penetrated her secret thoughts. But I would soon have to go off to the Tali city, and that would be for five years. You have to promise to stay for five years, and that would take really to get the Chinese ingrained into one, which is my desire. Now his mother was awake for certain. She pushed herself to a sitting position with those quick, decisive movements so characteristic of her. Five years? Oh, my son, I'd be dead before you got back. Remember, I'm an old woman. I'm 62 this year. A smile flickered over her son's face as his chopsticks were, were flipping a popcorn into his hand and then he into his mouth. But you're quite strong yet, mother. It's only ten days' journey away. If you were really ill, I'd come home. They'd give me a leave of absence for that. The old lady groaned. But you're married. You wouldn't take Mary with you. The silent little lister on top of the granary cupboard was also sitting upright now. No, of course not. There aren't any women in that school. Besides, you need her help and she could get homesick for Lesulin. You would have to separate for five years. She's only 19 now. We're both young. We belong to one another and that's settled. We have no children, and this is time to do it. In five years' time, she would be 24, and I'll be 29. Just right if we're going to have a family. As I see it, I must go now or never. In that dark little granary, Mary put her hand to her heart to hold quiet its loud beating. We've no children. Was it true now? Lucing did not know yet. She wasn't sure herself. She could not be absolutely sure for several weeks yet. Oh, what would she do? Not see Lucing for five years? No sun in her sky for five long years? How could she live? She lay back quietly and prayed, Lord, I promised I would not hinder his study. Oh, help me. Five years. Oh, Lord, how could I live? But it is true. Oh, I thank you. It is true that he belongs to me and I to him. Nothing can change that. Should I tell him about Maybe that would change his mind. Oh, I dare not. If I were wrong, he would blame me always. I'd be the one who hindered his education, and I promised, oh Lord, help me to endure. Passion held by principle. Long years afterwards, Lu Sing spoke of his wife one night in those quiet words. She had a wonderful powers of endurance, but they were won by prayer and the gift of the Spirit of God. How the Lord must love his little opals. Hearts of fire held fast by the clear, translucent stone. Deep in his pocket, where no one can see. How his fingers must close around them and love each touch of them. And they too, when they quicken themselves, can feel his hand. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. Mary was learning through the tenuous days ahead, the quietening peace of the touch of his hand.
Christmas was now rapidly approaching. To hold it in olives with soldiers overflowing the place was impossible, even if permission could have been obtained for such a large numbers to cross the river. So it was voted to have two celebrations, but a quotation from the letters of the time will make it clearer. December the 29th, 1943. It was the week before Christmas, a bright, sunny morning with hope and expectations in the air. Suddenly, Ava came running in. Mama, go look, she cried. Lu Chang is burning. Japanese, maybe? I rushed outside, and from the brow of the mountain on the opposite bank of the canyon to us, a column of smoke was rising high. Soon it was followed by a second column, and then a third, and then flames were visible. The town of Lu Chang is our county seat, and the Japanese had been in its vicinity for nearly two months. Then as we watched, the roar of the canyon belched forth, and the fight was on. Previously, the fighting had been down low on the banks of the river probably, so the sound of it had reached us as muffled and far away. But Luching is on an altitude level with us. Only a few miles away as the crow flies, and the firing sounded very close. The great rocky crags above us caught up in the canyon roar and grumbled it angrily to one another until that belch of death seemed a continuous sound swirling around our heads. It was rather awful. We wasted a morning packing for flight, then, as the next morning greeted us with still more vivid flames from a third burning village, we wasted a second hour or so discussing where to flee, and then everything has continued quiet ever since. And our side, say, the others have retreated. We wasted a third hour unpacking to stay. Such is life in the midst of war. But this was the start of Christmas. As the river has been uncrossable except by military order, we had decided on two celebrations— one on this side of our village and one on that side of the sandalwood flat. Unfortunately, both places are uncomfortably near to Lu Chang, so we wondered how many would dare to come. Brother Three had not felt strong since his romantic fever, so it was decided that Ma Pa take the festival on that side and Brother Three the one on the other side. Lu Chang is only a day's journey from Olives, some 33 miles and news of its burning and shooting were soon brought to Mary by the colonel's spies. But the Chinese seemed to be have been very victorious, so Mary planned to go along with Lu Sing and the other young people to Christmas at Sandalwood Flat. They had a good time with 120 others who met with that celebration. Lu Sing, of course, was watching from an, for an opportunity to have a talk with Ma Pa over his new plans, and he found one time when Ma Pa was alone for a few minutes. Mapa was immediately alarmed as he listened to the eager young ambitions, but was too wise to show it. Tisao is a heathen, he said slowly. I hate to see you have study under such, and you would soon find their godless atmosphere intolerable. Why not come over to Oak Flat and study under Mr. Yang in the church school? You would have to sit with the six-year-olds to begin with, but with your mind you would soon be far above them, and it would be good to start right from the beginning and get a proper foundation. Then, when you've gone through all their readers, you are ready for higher education. We of the China Inland Mission have a hospital in Tali, and you could take your five years of Chinese under us. I think that would be better. Lu Xing was delighted. He expected Ma Pa to object. Dreams of being a fluent Chinese scholar, of travel, of new knowledge, of new experience thrilled him. He was happy and voluble all the way home as a little band from Olives went down to the steep hillside together. Mary watched him anxiously. She was beginning to know her beloved. She had seen him talking with Ma Pa, and 
then Mapa may have consented, or Lesu would not be happy. Well, she would know tonight, and so she did. It was hardest for Lusing Ma. She knew she would never change her son once he made up his mind, but she had hoped that he would be home for a year studying under Tesao, right here in their own village. Now he had said he would pack and go up immediately and go right over to Oak Flat. Lusing Ma groaned and sighed, but no one paid any attention to her. Mary was busy getting ready to go to the girls' Bible school in February. At least she and Lusing would have that month together in Oak Flat. He in the Chinese school and she in the Bible school. And he had promised to help her with sermon outlines again for the weekend preaching. War news was not very good. The Japanese had returned to Luchang. But the Chinese guerrilla soldiers were still in the village of Olives, and Mary would soon be coming over for the GBS. So Lu Sing started out for his new experience as a student of Chinese with an eager, happy heart. February the 5th was the date set for the girls' school to assemble, and Ma Pa sent word by soldier reporters that he and Lu Sing would joint meet them at the river bank and see them across, for no one might cross without military permit now. Mapa had obtained that from all of them. It was a merry party that set out, and Sarah and Chloe each had babies so they could not come. But Martha was coming for her first time, and Mary and Lydia and Rachel for their third time. Rhoda also came, and Anna and Miriam and Susanna. Olive girls in all were eight. Then they must wait at the river bank for the sandalwood flat girls, and those are from the little olives. It was fun on the rocky shore waiting for all together. They could see Lu Sing and Ma Pa on the eastern shore, and they hollered back and forth. When they saw the ferry start out, they saw Lu Sing get in. Is he going to row, asked one. Yes, Lu Sing knew how to row, and the boatmen were glad for his help. But the current was strong, and it took all their might to swing the ferry out of its way. Now the swift current of the mid-river had caught the frail craft and was whirling it downstream. How the boatmen yelled and bent their strong backs to guide it over and through the swirling waters. The girls who had never crossed before were scared, but Mary and the others comforted them. It is true that more than once the ferry had capsized and drowned most of those on board, but not usually at this season of the year. Soon the boat was approaching their rocks, and the man in the prow, with a hook on a long stick, was holding it out to catch hold of, the, of a jetting rock, and then with a shout they were anchored. Lu Sing was the first one out. He leaped from the boat side before it beached and landed on the soft sand. Then came the handshaking and loosing exhortations to the new girls. Wait until everyone is out of the boat before you try to jump in. Then, when you do, be careful not to step on their oars or that will bring them bad luck. Such a happy band and such a wiggly of tongues. Everyone wanted to see Mama's baby son. They had heard he had red hair and just could not imagine what red hair was like on a human being. Loosing, who thought it was pretty, had been allowed to give the baby a bath. Bathe him? You mean spit water all over him like we do? Oh, no, says Lusing. He goes right into a zinc tub under the water all but his face. It was warm water. Mama has it heated. Oh, how cruel, cried one of the girls. That poor little fellow. Not at all, grinned Lusing. He's not a bit scared. In fact, he loves it. Kicks and splashes and cries when he has to come out. Then the tongues did wag. He got a bath like that every day. And did he not catch cold or not get sick? Well, the marvels of these white people will never be all told. No one noticed how steep the climb across the river was that day. The white baby was sufficient theme to take them all the way to the Oak Flat. Mama took advantage of this little interest to continue lessons in mothercraft. 
the girls were brought in three or four at a time each morning to, to observe baby Danny by having a bath and being dressed and put to sleep by himself in a basket under the shade of a gnarly old oak tree. No baby in that part of the canyon ever slept by himself, so it caused much wonder and comment. The value of proper feeding and sleeping hours, fresh air and cleanliness were pointed out, every single one of these items being an entirely new idea to them. During these talks together, Mama definitely aimed at what Paul termed the transforming of your minds and the casting out of previous thoughts and attitudes often unconsciously retained. The announcement of the birth of a new one inevitably brought titers from some girls and looks of shame from others, but were definitely not scriptural. Children are the gift of God, and the girlfriends should not avoid a young mother as if she's done something wrong, which is a heathen custom, but give her joy that God has entrusted her with a new little life to be trained for him. To this end, Mama had composed the words to the tune of Sweet and Low, based on Where Did You Come From, Baby Dear? turning the thoughts of the unspoiled purity of the little one as they come to us fresh from God. This met with instant acceptance from Mary, whose secret mama did not yet know, but she could hardly have helped her more if she had known. Putting the precious life on such a high plane, making it an ideal towards which one should reverently strive, was a deep and blessed joy. But Mary received still another spiritual gift from this particular school. First Peter, the third chapter, was being taught, when it came to the holy women of old, Mama had each girl take a different Bible character for closing day presentation. They must give at least one spiritual lesson from each holy woman's life, and to Mary fell the study of Mary of Bethany. The Bible Mary's quiet insistence that spiritual things come first in this life of ours was a new angle. Also, the importance of times alone with God, just worshiping. She knew that Lucing made this rule, but the value of it had not come to her before. Mary had insisted that physical things, a good meal for instance, were equal importance. But Christ himself had definitely sided with Mary, saying only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. From this year forward, this Lesu Mary chose the better part. And six years later, the difference in her life and influence compared with the other classmates, who did not persevere but soon slipped back into Martha ways, was very marked. The return journey was not sunny as coming to school had been. A cloud had fallen upon Mary, which had taken the smile from her face. Lucing had had a difference with his beloved missionaries, had thrown up study under Mr. Yang, and gone back to Olive's to study, where he could do as he liked. Mary was ashamed and worried. She knew Lucing's impetuosity, but also his deep repentance afterwards when he came to himself. It would be good to have him home but she wished it had been under different circumstances. She did not know what the discussion had been about, and she knew that in the crowded little shanty at home, with Chinese soldiers who now knew and understood some of Lisu, she would not be wise to discuss or ask questions. Once more, her part must be patiently waiting until it was all revealed to her. Perhaps now Lucing would give up the idea of going so far away from home, and her secret she could not keep forever. Would Lucing be glad or annoyed? And so she slipped back into her place in the life of that little farm home, inconspicuous, faithful, anxious to please, but alert for every sign that might tell her what is going on within her beloved one's hot heart. Lucing had gone over to Taisao, spending much time with him. At home, he was short-tempered and his face dark. Her loved one was not happy within. 
that Mary was sure of from the very first day. But he talked much about signing up to go to Tali for five years, trading under the government. He persuaded several others from Olives to sign up too. Jason, Manea, Gideon, and others said that if Lusing went, they would go too. They also were studying every day under Tisau. Recently, an honor had come to Lusing. In the village elections for head men, almost all the villagers, heathen as well as Christian, placed their hands on his head as a token that he was the one that they preferred. Lusing was only 25. Mary did not remember any other villagers so young nominated for that position. He refused it, but carried his head a little higher now. And in her heart, Mary was anxious for him. He was not spending the time with the Lord as he did. Quietly and anxiously, no doubt, she tried to help him by placing his New Testament near at hand, and in other ways made it easy for him to keep up that habit of early fellowship, which, if I was to be kept from taking a wrong side path, was of first importance. Her own quiet time had been at night after she went to bed, but morning, noon, and night, her heart was sending up prayer cries for her dear one. Two days after returning home, she heard astonishing news. There were American soldiers at the Lays Yaman. American army, long anxious to push into that front line of battle, had been deterred. Now, however, Ma Pa, having suggested to the colonel that a medical unit be brought in, as the Chinese soldiers were suffering, even dying, from the dread malaria of the Salween Canyon, the colonel had consented, and they were there. A week later, when Mary was returning from a long day in the cotton field, she heard a voice calling across the courtyard. Is Ma Pa here? she asked, astounded. Lucing, emerging from the porch where the chicken nests were kept, his hands full of eggs, replied, No, American soldiers are here. They came over from the place of action this morning and are to be stationed in Olives. Sounds just like Ma Pa's voice, doesn't it? With a light on his face that she had not seen in days. I pity them so with only Chinese food to eat. White men can't take an all-native diet quickly. I know. Mama, take them a chicken and these eggs. They'll be needed for breakfast. The Chinese soldiers do not eat until sun high, and white men need something before that. But they have someone to feed them, don't they? Remorsed his mother, for chicken and eggs were sacred commodities those days. The Chinese took what they liked and paid what price they liked, too. I heard one of them say, he is hungry. He did not realize that I had understood so much English. Lu Sing's face lit up again. They reminded me so much of Ma Pa. Their big boots go clang-clang just like Ma Pa's always do. Again, his little wife stole a quick, sharp glance at him. He loved Ma Pa, and she was quite sure that inwardly he was grieving for the heart separation of his impetuous leaving had brought. She sent up a little prayer that might not last, and it answered more quickly than she dreamed. As in the previous year, a boy Bible school had been planned to come over after the girls, and Thomas was to be the one on the teaching staff. However, when he went to apply for the river pass, Ma Pa again, away on a conference work, Tisau not only refused to write it, but refused river passes to 11 West Bank boys who had planned to go. Assembly day came and went, yet Thomas, knowing that Ma Ma was short-staffed this year, was still unable to proceed. Very troubled in spirit, he came to Lusing to pray about the matter. The morning of the third day of waiting, Mary saw Lusing in a corner writing a letter. She had heard that the message was going to the East Bank and guessed that the note was for Ma Ma. 
It would have brought her joy if she had known that it was a letter of contrition, asking forgiveness for his hasty departure and saying that he had been through the most unhappy days he could remember. Living and studying with the heathen, their filthy conversation had become unbearable. Moreover, he saw that he had been a snare to others. For Sow was now making bold invite to the Christian girls of Olives to eat with him and was very unpleasant if they refused. But the coming of the American soldiers had brought things to a climax in Lu Sing's heart. Every time they called to one another, he wrote to Mama, I could hear Ma Pa's voice, and the sound of their leather shoes would make me think Ma Pa was coming. Then I would awaken to the fact that it is not he, but such a flood of love longing for him would sweep over me. And he also explained the reason for Thomas's non-appearance. On the other bank of the Salween, Mama had been going through trial. Neither Ma Pa nor Brother Three were present to help her. She had only consented to hold this school if Thomas could promise to teach some of the courses. Thirty-one boys had arrived and no Thomas. She had suspected the reason, but Lu Sing's letter made it definite. It did not take long to contact this American unit, and they were always dropping in for tea or a meal or anything. And by return message, a written river pass for Thomas and all he cared for brought him to arrive in Olives. And the next evening, not only Thomas and the three pupils arrived in Oak Flat, but Lu Sing also. His face was bright and joyful once more as he recounted all the miseries of his self-effort. I know now, he confided, that I stepped out of the will of God in dropping the ministry, and I hope I remember the lesson. Then, with fellowship so sweetly restored, he settled back to tell her again of the pleasure of having those American soldiers in their midst. I think that some of them are Christians and wanted to tell us, he said. When we were singing in chapel, the tall one with red hair came near and started to sing with us only in English. We thought he meant by that to let us know that he was a Christian too. So we all laughed and went out and shook hands. Later, it was interesting to Mama to get the American version. The six-foot-three young captain afterwards told her why they were singing the same songs they used to sing in Sunday school back home. So I just went up and sang with them. It was enjoyed on both sides. The boys' Bible school ended most cheerfully, for not only was there Lu Sing and Thomas to help teach, but Brother Three returned unexpectedly and threw himself wholeheartedly into lifting the responsibilities. After closing day, Lu Sing returned home again to Mary, his face happy, for the burden of his conscience was gone. Ah, but forgiveness granted does not mean that there is no penalty to pay. Tay Sal, hearing now that Lu Sing had changed his mind, was furious. You cannot recede. You have your promise which you made to the government, and that of five others also. It has become a government affair, and I will take you to law. He began calling out to Mary when he met her on the path to the waterhole or elsewhere. You get that husband of yours to change his mind, or it will be the worst for him. The scared little maiden hung her head and hurried home with the message, but Lu Sing is not easily driven. The more Tay Sao pushed, the more obstinate Lu Sang became. Then the whole church came in for persecution. Ma Pa was still away, and Tay Sao had practically a free hand. He refused passes to cross the river to any Christian. He threatened Lu Sing day and night. He accused Jonah of self-seeking while in government service because he had ridden a horse while on an errand for the official, and Jonah was cast into prison with charges that might have taken his life. Treason was an easy accusation in those days of war. How the little group in, cha- in the chapel prayed each night. Lu Sing was to be next, Tay Sao said, and although Lu Sing himself was dubious 
how far a mere school teacher could might go, Mary was terrified. He had by now to make known her precious secret to her husband, and it was a drop of sweetness in her cup of anxiety that he delighted. A few days later, Jonah was taken out and beaten badly. He was very brave and did not let out a sound, but it was a cruel whipping, and the girls all cried. Towards the end of May, the danger to loosing himself became so real that Mary and his mother begged him to go across the river to visit Mapa and stay for a while. Mapa was now back, and while holding a Sunday service at the place of action, he called up Lucing on a field telephone, newly established between the Chinese guerrilla colonel and his men in Olives. This was the latest marvel, that people could talk over a while half a day's journey away. Mary and Lu Sing Ma thrilled with pride when a soldier came up the hill to summon Lu Sing to the telephone. Ma Pa calling. It was the first and only time that Lu Sing ever used a phone. But he was able to make out Ma Pa's voice and an invitation to come across the river to Oak Flat. A pass was furnished and thus Lu Sing got away. To Mary it was an answer to prayer. Foiled in his hopes of securing Lu Sing, Tay Sao now turned to the Christians further away from where Ma Pa lived. In the village of Lama, the Lesu Church had opened another school with a Chinese-speaking Christian Lesu, Titus by name, as its teacher. Tay Sao pounced upon this, ordered it to be disbanded, and had Titus thrown into prison, then beaten and sent across the river to Mapa with a word that if he tried to return, he would be killed. When Titus appeared at Oak Flat with this news, rainy season Bible school had already begun. Ma Pa, on his return, had brought a guest speaker in the form of Chinese seminary graduate, Miss Constance Tice, by name, an exceptionally fine Bible teacher. Ma Pa translated for her, and the evangelist had never ceased to quote her illustrations, so striking, so oriental, just the kind they enjoyed and understood to the full. Lu Sing wrote long, thrilled letters home, and Mary wrote back. Every now and again, their letters would be detected by Taisao and a translation made. After one such letter, written by Mary, it happened to be, the Chinese soldier called in to translate, said, Hmm, nothing but a love letter to her husband. What are you worrying about? Poor Mary hung her head in shy confusion that her outpourings to Lusang should be hauled out and read in public. But she kept on trying. When the colonel had to send letters across the river, villagers from Olives were usually chosen to do this. Mary, hearing of someone appointed to carry the next epistle, by night would slip him her little bit of folded paper, and as the whole village, heathen and Christian, loved her, the messenger would tuck it into the folds of his turban, and so got off across undetected. We'll stop here and finish it next week. Uh, I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.